Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. This year's theme is time management. However, if everything is chaotic, it's kind of difficult to build a robust time management system that you can trust. In this episode, we're going to discuss some things you need to do before you try to nail down your productivity and time management system and why they are important. But before I get started, Will, what have you been nailing down lately? Man, so Docker desktop on Windows, uh, on WSL, uh, leaks RAM like crazy. I'm actually getting a new work laptop. Hmm. Actually, it's supposed to be here now. It's not. Thanks, UPS. Because of that, because it didn't have enough RAM and it would just hard lock. So I'm, I'm dealing with that. And I'm also trying to figure out how to set up a certificate management for my local network. So like a, a certificate authority that's just me for all of my stuff so I don't get the Chrome warnings. Yeah, I really didn't want to have to do that, but it is apparent that I'm going to have to. So that's, that's what I'm doing this week. Um, I did want to do a quick shout out to Cronus LV because they shouted out uh, about our podcast on Hacker News, uh, mentioned us positively in a thread about developer podcasts. So we really appreciate it. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's how we, we grow is word of mouth. So we really appreciate that. And uh, I love the shout out to the shout out. Yeah. Super meta, man. Super meta. I mean, it is. So, all right. Well, this has been an interesting week so far for me. We did our first push to production on the application that I have been working on for about the last six, eight months, I think. Maybe a little bit longer than that. Not quite a whole year, but uh, but yeah, getting close to it. Uh, so yeah, that uh, that was interesting. Um, that was my my first time doing the uh, the after hours push at uh, at this job. So. That was that was neat. Also, my first time doing a push to production as the lead developer and not just as one of the developers. So another interesting thing. I think it went pretty well. We we had a good like you know it was everybody was very friendly and that's that's important. Um, and then you know I just I really like the people I work with, uh, and so that really makes a big difference. So that and then. Uh, this past weekend, I went to the punk rock flea market in Nashville. That was a, another interesting experience. No, it was it was kind of funny because I both fit in and I didn't fit in because you know I'm a little punk rock. I look less so with my hair short than I did when I had the longer hair, but you know I kind of have the attitude and the the dress for it. Well, I guess I'm not dressed that way right now because I'm just wearing. Yeah, I was looking at you going, no, nah, no, nah, dog. <laughs> no, well, not, not right now. But when I when I go out in public, I'm usually dressed that way. Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was not close to the oldest person there. Well, I think I got close to him because he was like walking around with his fingers in his ears, and I had some earplugs. I'm like, I think you need these more than I do. But. uh no, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Very interesting. Um, basically, a bunch of local artists and, and other stuff set up booths, and then they had some live music. I found out about it because a guy I went to high school with, his band was playing there, and so he posted about it. I was like, I got to check this out. This looks like fun. It was pretty awesome. I bought a bunch of artwork. I also discovered a hole in my black jean jacket pocket because... I bought some patches and um, pens, and when I went to go sit down to eat, I wanted to pull them out and put them with all the other stuff in the bag I had, and they were gone. Oh, lovely! Yeah, and I'm like, I don't think it was pickpocketing; it was sort of an internal pocket. So I'm quite sure there's a hole because I found the hole, and it was big enough for them to fall through. So, yeah. yeah. Well, plus, I don't, you know, pickpocketing is not. To my knowledge, a big thing in Nashville. 
Not really. And not like at this internal concert venue of... Where was it? Eastside Bowl. Basically a bowling alley with a concert venue in the back. Um, huh. Okay. I'm not sure where that is. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, made some friends, met some other artists. Most, like almost everyone I met was from Nashville, like with a booth set up. Made me actually go, you know, I, I might actually set up a booth like next year um, with some of my stuff, just looking around at it, which was kind of cool. And then I also met one guy who repairs old cameras, like old film cameras. And then like, he's got a whole, like he does that and repairs typewriters. We had a very long conversation. Really. Oh, neat. Yeah. He, he was awesome. He really was. Yeah. So that's, uh, that was my, uh, my weekend. Saving money is hard, especially when you go to punk rock flea markets. True that, yo. Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but to take action so that you can create your best life. In other words, he's helping you to not walk around with holes in your pockets. Pretty much. <laughs> Guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Basically, he's helping you to patch those holes. Right. And Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So it's not too early to start right now. Mm hmm. And no matter how many holes you have or whether it is a jean jacket or leather jacket, he'll work with you. I don't know. I'm just keeping it going, man. Yeah. Best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but he is here to help guide you to better financial decisions. Yeah, and you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face. And he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Now, while this year's theme is time management, there are some things you need to get in order before you start trying to structure a productivity system to help with your time management. In particular, you need to actually be able to track tasks that you have to do, whether they are on your most critical project or not. You need to be able to focus on a single task or similar types of tasks effectively for a period of time. You also need to be able to manage useful documentation as well as more secure data so that you don't waste time due to lack of structure. And you kind of have to be able to track things like your habits and moods as part of creating useful feedback for your productivity system so that you can continue to improve. You also need to have some tooling in place for lightweight automations. A task that is done for you automatically ceases to be a burden. And finally, you're going to need to have a clean way to plan your work beyond the level of what a to-do list application can provide you. Yeah. And this has kind of been my journey over the last, oh, good grief. I think I read Getting Things Done maybe in 2006 or 2007. And it was really, you know, it was a, it was a phase change for me as yeah. far as the way I organize things. Um, but you'll often hear people say that they are more productive you know, after doing something and you're like, okay, quantify that. And they can't, they can't even tell you what they did yesterday, but they were definitely more productive. You don't want to be that person. If you actually want to be more productive, you kind of have to have all these pieces in order. The most effective time management and productivity system that you can build is one that provides just enough structure to meet your needs and then gets out of your way. However, there are some things that seem to be common to most such systems, especially most such systems used by developers. As developers, we have some things on our side when trying to improve our personal productivity. For one, we tend to understand how systems can be wired together and automated. We also tend to be a little bit more comfortable rolling our own as far as software is concerned. Mm -hmm. If we don't have a simple tool for a simple purpose, we can build one. Of course, that can also be a distraction. 
you know, and that's kind of the challenge. Uh, as we build systems, you know, we really need things to be structured reasonably well if those systems are going to tie into other systems and if they're going to hold up over the long term. Towards that end, we need to understand the various roles that different pieces of software will play in our productivity systems, along with which things they cannot do well so that we use something else. In this episode, we're going to discuss some things you must have in reasonably good order before trying to drastically improve your time management and productivity by building a system to help you. These pieces are building blocks that you are going to find quite useful later on, but they often can provide immediate value for your current processes. A lot of times, getting a more coherent structure to your current daily process will free up enough time and attention that you can think about the larger problems. Just don't be like me, and I will free up some time by getting my processes down and go, oh, hey, now I've got some free time to add more to it. Yeah. And then I get that down and I've got I've got a little more free time. I can add more because I want to do all the things. And I really need to look at the larger processes and go, all right, I need to structure that so that I can do all the things. Yeah. Or you can decide which things you don't actually want to do. Yeah, that's true. From a position of, of strength and knowledge, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, this episode is just an overview of things that we will probably discuss at various points later in the year. But it is important to get these building blocks of a better system in place and to get comfortable using them before you try to do larger improvements to your actual productivity. Um, And we're going to add another note here. If you're missing several of these, we suggest adding them one at a time after carefully vetting what they do and how they interact with everything else you're doing. You know, this is really best done incrementally. I have done it all at once before, and that was a nightmare because you're trying to learn multiple systems. Just learn Mm -hmm. one and get comfortable with it before you grab the next thing. Like there's, there's no rush. A, any tool that you get is going to slowly change the way that you use the rest of your tools, including the ones you're already used to. So if you add multiple things you don't know is not an incremental change in complexity. It's a uh, exponential change in complexity. Now we're going to start by explaining the various types of tools you'll need. And then we'll discuss, you know, in there kind of what I've done on my, my stuff. I will tell you that don't steal the system that I built. Because it's, it's very, very specific for the way that I do things, the way that I think about things, as well as my workload and, and those, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that's really kind of personal. Will, Will wrote this outline, obviously. And so yeah. um, he doesn't have my stuff in here. So I'll throw in my stuff too, to give you kind of a contrast as to what I do or what I use. And in some of these cases, I have like, yeah, my, my structure is a bit different than his. So I'll just put it that way. Well, and mine was different a year ago. That's true. That's true. And mine has changed over the years too. So I didn't have the opportunity last night as I was on that, uh, that push to production call to, uh, to get in here and add my stuff in. And then we'll change the outline a little bit today to make it even better. He, he did make some serious, good improvements to it. So Very obvious improvements. But yeah, <laughs> I'd looked at this morning. I was like, how did I do that? Yeah. All right. So... The first and most obvious thing that you probably should have is some method of tracking the tasks that you have to do. You do probably have that at work. You've got Jira or you've got, you know, some kind of Kanban, you've got something. But a lot of people forget to do this for their personal life. And you kind of want to have a somewhat integrated view of all the different things that you actually have to do today. Basically, you want to be able to keep track of tasks as they come up. And this could be as simple as a notebook or you can use an app. One nice thing about apps is they are available anywhere. They're backed up and they can be wired together. But the thing about notebooks is, is it's quicker to get stuff down. It's quicker to get stuff down and, and it's free form. Yeah. Also, I mean, you can add structure because that's what I do. But uh, the other thing is you don't have to have power. Um, now, it. I mean, I guess you could back it up if you take a photo of it or something or copy it down. But yeah. Yeah, my, my thing is I tend to actually write tasks down first and then I get them into a digital format later. Yeah, that sounds like you. Mainly because a lot of times, like as I'm chewing on something, I I either get more detail or I think of other tasks and mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily in a context where I can get to my to-do list yeah. uh, software. And so I'll just, I'll just write it down. 
And that also helps too, if there's longer term planning that doesn't necessarily belong in a to-do list app. No, no, this doesn't just handle ad hoc tasks. It can also handle recurring items such as household maintenance. It's also useful to be able to tag tasks based on context, difficulty, and those sorts of things so that you can quickly find something to do if you do suddenly find yourself with a little bit of spare time. Yeah, and that happens to me a lot because I kind of pad how much time I think something's going to take. And I'll sit there and I go, oh, crud, you know, I don't have anything to do. Well, I can, I can, I've actually got a pre-canned search query in Todoist that's just like, you know, small, uh, low effort tasks. And I can hit that and there's a list. That's actually quite smart. You can see behind me what I do when I've got a few extra moments. Yeah. Those of you who are listening, as in everybody, my keyboard and guitars are behind me. So that's what I do. I've got a few moments. I'll hop over and then practice. I'm, I'm sure Homeland Security is monitoring the call or something. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, the point of this tool, though, is to be able to figure out what to do next as quickly as possible when you're in a state of flow or you're working. And then also to be able to kind of visualize what's coming up the next few days. Yeah. It's also really useful if the tool includes a Kanban board, if you had the kind of tasks that you need to use those on. So this was really helpful for writing, you know, because it's not, oh, you write a chapter. It's like, okay, you wrote a draft and then you got to edit the draft and then you probably do a second edit and you send it to the editor and then you handle whatever they sent back. And there's, you know, you need, you need more swim lanes. It's not just one task. So definitely I would push for a Kanban board if you think you're going to need it because you're probably going to need it more than you think. Yeah. These tools are also handy if you have shared obligations with other people. Yeah, we do that for our grocery list and for like home improvements or recurring stuff. Mm-hmm. So just like there's a you know a thing in there that pops up. It's like, hey, take the recycling to the street on Sunday yeah. night. Because the last thing I do at night is that I'll check that and make sure that I've you know cleared off everything I'm supposed to do. And I kind of do a little bit of light planning for the next day. And if I see that, it's like, oh, shoot, I need to go handle that. And so I don't forget it and have to try to run out there in the morning when the, the dudes are already out in the street picking up the recycling. Yeah. I use my Alexa for a lot of those things. I have, I have her tell me, remind me a lot of my monthly or weekly tasks, like take the garbage out, that sort of stuff. And then also for my shopping list, because I've got the app on my phone too. So I can be at home, be in the kitchen with my hands, like doing stuff. And I realize, oh, hey, I'm out of basil. Oh, I've just got a teenager who has a phone. Yeah. I just yell. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I've got, I, I guess it. I guess it works. Alexa's kind of like a teenager. Yeah, in a lot of ways, she talks back to me. No, she probably actually listens. Um, mm, you'd be surprised. <laughs> but no, I, I use that, and then for other things, I have Kanban board, and then I also use the reminders on my phone. So. That's sort of what I do. Yeah, like, like calendar reminders. Uh, that's another thing that's handy too, is if it can integrate with a calendar. So Todoist will also do that. And so I can set a reminder. I, I typically don't because yeah. notifications irritate me. Like I want to be notified if the building's on fire, basically, and that's it. Now for like work stuff, I have a notebook that I keep all my, my things in. I, I write my oh, Yeah, your work Bible. <laughs> Yeah, that's what. Oh, it's it's just a black notebook. So that's what they call it. But yeah, it's getting getting toward the end of this uh, this side. I gotta flip it over and do the other side soon. Only write on one side, so it's not back and forth. Yeah. I write through, and then I'll flip it over and write through the other side. All right. The uh, the next one is a focused task manager or Pomodoro timer. Uh, use this to stay on target on a given task until. Either the time is up or the task is completed. The Pomodoro method works well for this because it's a fixed chunk of time of focused work, followed by a break, and then another chunk of work time. Yeah, and I I use this fairly frequently. I did have to modify it because a 25-minute break is or 25-minute work time is too short. I do like 45 minutes and then 15. Yeah. And that seems to work pretty well for me, you know, throughout the day. The way my day is broken up pretty much have my own Pomodoro timer in there because <laughs> meetings. Yeah. I remember being a lead. <laughs> so glad I'm not one of those now. No. Well, <laughs> that, one meeting a day. That, I mean, I only 
I don't have that many, but it's usually like, oh, someone needs help with this or that. Um, and I'm not complaining about that. I love it. That's one of my favorite parts of my job is, is getting to do that kind of stuff. But I also try to schedule them. So I'm like, all right, I've got 30 minutes, 45 minutes to work. And then I'm going to hop on a call and, you know. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I really like about it is the sense of urgency. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about, you know, doing the 12 week year. So that you, that's part of the reason that that works is it's a sense of urgency over a longer period of time. The Pomodoro is like the smallest uh, yeah. segment for the same thing. It's also really nice that this is wired into your to-do list to keep stuff in sync. It's not, nece- you know, it's not necessary. I have mine that way so that if there's a task, it's in my to-do list. And if I want to, you know, do a Pomodoro session on that thing, it's already there. Yeah. It just, cause otherwise I'll, I'll misspell something in one place or something and it'll irritate me from then on. I, like I don't like to have stuff synced big time. I follow that, but you do get really irritated when it doesn't sync properly. I know. Cause I get the messages about the, the frustration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. That would frustrate me too, but I do get those yeah. messages. Now on this guys, we're going to have a, an episode coming up specifically about the Pomodoro method, but this tool is uh, basically there to help you ignore minor distractions while trying to execute a task and track what you've worked on later on. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing about, you know, doing it that way is you automatically have a log of what you worked on mm-hmm. and how much actual focus time you spend on it. Cause you go, Hey, look, when I'm, you know, when I'm in the work mode and the, you know, in the Pomodoro timer, I just work and I don't browse Facebook. I don't do anything else. I'm just locked in and focused. And then during that 15 minute break, I chill out or whatever that can give you a much better clue as to where your problems actually are that, you know, a distractible workflow might not give you. I use Pomodun for this because it integrates with Todoist and that seems to be working for me. That's, that's really cool. I, um, like I said, I have, I have it kind of built into my schedule a lot. But uh, also, I have a dog. Yeah, older dogs are good for this too. Yeah, forty-five um, minutes. They want something. He's good at it. The other thing that I have used in the past is a record. Like, yeah, I have uh, Lindsey Sterling's second album, and a couple of the sides of the the two of the two records is uh, just instrumental, and so I will listen to that, and it'll give like a good time frame of all right i'll work while this is on when it ends i gotta get up and flip the record anyway so yeah and it, it'll also work with you know mp3 playlists too i've i've done that you know very similarly you know for the exact same reason the next item that you probably need to start getting together if you want to be more productive is a personal knowledge base this is used to store typically plain text stuff for the most part you know, notes about various things so you can find them again. And it's also a good place to keep your personal journals as well. So like if you have your weekly retrospective, those kind of, you know, those kind of structures, uh, just throw it in there. That's pretty much it. Now there's a lot you can do with it, but essentially you just want to have a place to dump stuff. So like you, you know, you bought a new appliance and it requires some kind of regular maintenance. You put the maintenance items in your calendar in your to-do list app so that you hit those and you put all the other relevant information about that device in your personal knowledge base. And when you're out and you have to replace a light bulb in that thing and you remember and you're at Home Depot, you can just go, okay, what, do I, what does it need? And you can look it up right there in the store because you have it. That That is actually quite convenient. My yeah. own notebooks. I mean, I've got stacks, bookshelves of notebooks that have my personal knowledge base. Yeah. Like I said, I like to physically write things down. Um, I actually tried using LiveScribe for a little bit when I was in med school. I wondered about that. It's it's pretty cool, but... It's not cheap. No. Uh, just not, in my opinion, not really worth it. It was kind of fun, but it just... You got to have all the right equipment and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I do have a friend who has... It's, it's different from LiveScribe, but uh, it's, uh, it's a pen and pad, and like she can erase... Like it's like got like a handful of pages in there. So it's not like, Oh, you have to write and erase, but it's like four or five pages and then she can erase them. And it's like, as soon as it's written in there, it goes into it's stored digitally. And I was like, that's cool. I wish I remembered what she told me. I could probably go back through our text messages. Yeah. A year ago and find them. 
I just wonder how how well that would work with my shorthand. Well, you just what you do is you just set it to capture, like yeah, drawing, and like not, it's not going to turn that into text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I'm sure you could write some kind of code to do that for you. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people use Evernote for this, and the main thing is to be able to have notes where you need them, wherever you are and be able to quickly search through them. Like I said, I do this by hand on pen and paper, and I do have my notes. Like the a lot of the, the core stuff, I use the notes on my phone because um, I have an iPhone, so I use the, the notes app. And that's actually gotten more searchable. Yeah, well, and I also think, too, with you writing stuff down, to some degree, you're storing some of that more in your brain. That's true. You know, because of the the act of actually writing. So, I, but yeah, like having it searchable is is really handy. It's also really handy if you ever have to pass that information on to someone else. But yeah, um, basically any piece of useful information that you need to capture really needs to go in there. And what I usually do is I have an unstructured location to dump stuff. I have an inbox folder, essentially. So if I go, hey, I don't know where this goes, but I need to write this down. Yeah, it goes in there until I can triage it later, and I have a recurring task to do that. Yeah, the the idea is just to get the useful information before you lose it, and then you can categorize it later. Because I do think those are two step separate steps. And for this, I use Obsidian because it's free and it synchronizes on the file system with no extra effort and no third parties involved. It all lives, you know. I've got the the client on all my devices, and it syncs with sync thing and it's you know that's on my nas and it can transit the firewall so it's still like if i update something on my mobile phone it's on my computer in like 30 seconds that is very even if i'm not in the house yeah yeah i know i like that i like that and it's all marked down so it's hard to screw up no what's the security on it though it's just on the file system so the security is that the is the security on sync thing Mm-hmm. So you write to the you know you write to the file system on the device and it synchronizes elsewhere. So it's whatever your device security is. Okay, it's kind of what you're relying on there. It's not encrypted. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. So on that, the next uh, the next thing you need is secure storage. You need to have a secure place to keep passwords and other sensitive data that is encrypted and protected from prying eyes. And I'll give you a great example of that. A picture of your passport that you have to have or your, your driver's license when you get a new job and you got to send that crap to HR. Having that in some kind of encrypted storage means you don't have to go dig through a drawer and find it. It's it's already there. You keep your driver's license in a drawer? No, but my passport is. And since I don't have the real ID driver's license, and that's a long story, I have to use my passport for certain things. And you know, it's also handy for things like you know, so security numbers, you know, bank account numbers, those, those, those things that you don't need very often, but you really, really do not want them going out. Mm-hmm. You need to have an encrypted location under a strong, you know, security protection to have that stuff. That makes sense. I follow what you're saying. Yeah. The productivity tips are helpful, but if you have a single security breach, it can wipe out years of your work in minutes. You know, when you have that much of a, of a catastrophic exponential downside, you need to deal with that before you try to create an upside. And I, I use KeePass for most of this storage. I still have LastPass. I'm trying to choke it out uh, because they've had a bunch of security stuff going on. You know, there's been multiple incidents, including another one, I think this last week or the week before. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, I, I can't have my credentials in a cloud service like that. No. And this is also a useful tool to help remind you to change your passwords and find weak or breached passwords. They do actually do a pretty good job. Yeah. LastPass will definitely tell you. I sometimes question whether that stuff, you know, as far as like the reminders that, Hey, you need to change the password. You need to cycle it every so often. That almost feels like something that belongs in your to-do list instead. Um, But the other stuff. Yeah. Especially the breaches. Yeah. Once more into the breach. Wait. No. Yeah. Another thing that you probably have not thought of too much that you need to have is file synchronization. 
you need to be able to get to your useful data no matter where you are. And this typically means, you know, synchronizing files in some manner. Whether that means you put it on one drive and it's just there where it's a Dropbox or, you know, you have a mix of those things, which is what I have right now. And it's kind of driving me crazy. I looked at how many things synchronized files on my system and I'm like, this is not what I want. Yeah. I've got one drive Dropbox sync thing. And then I have some scripts that also do stuff too that are just like old. But you're going to want this just so that all the stuff, you know, can be wherever you are easily. Don't get that confused for a backup. This is just, hey, I want the data where I am. Not. Don't treat the other devices as if they're backups of your current one. Yeah, especially if it's something like Dropbox, because yeah, if it goes away on one device, it goes away on all devices. Though lately, I have noticed they're they've been pretty good about. Oh, hey, you share this. Are you sure you want to? like remove it. Yeah. You know, my thought too is like when you get malware that overwrites stuff and encrypts it, you got to be careful about that. No. So while, uh, this stuff may be handled transparently by some of the other applications you choose. G suite. is yeah. another example. Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with this. So I wasn't really going to say anything about it. You're going to want to have a strategy for this or anything that these tools don't cover. Right. And, you know, especially if you have a lot of large files, like all my MP3 files are synchronized between my you know, laptop, desktop, and the NAS. Hmm. And if I add one, it's, it's moved across very, very quickly. Obviously, I do not want to pay for, you know, cloud storage for that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not cheap. I actually pay for a, a pro um, Dropbox account. I do too. Because of the, the podcast and my other business um, photos. When you're setting that up, I, I do it so I've got multiple devices and it doesn't yeah. nag me. That's basically the the deal there. But plus, I don't like I don't like using the free tier of stuff. Like if I'm a paying customer, I feel like that makes it more likely that if I have a problem, someone will actually help me instead of going, "Oh, it's a freeloader." You know, just yeah, let them let them go away. That's actually pretty fair. Yeah, I'll also say a corollary to this file synchronization thing is that you should generally prefer software that can handle running in a file synchronized environment over software that can't. I've had a lot of trouble with Scrivener on this. If it's open in one, one machine, you cannot open it on another machine. You can copy the existing one, but you can't, you know, you, you can't get out of there. And so I've, I'm starting to shift away from that because of the synchronization issue only. That's really the only thing that bugs me. I don't have that much of a, an issue with it, mainly because most of the stuff I use is Mac and that they sync across devices. I don't really use Scrivener. Yeah, but are you like if you have it open, like if I, I my classic example was I went to Indiana and I had a Scrivener project open on my desktop here at home mm-hmm. and my machine was still on. Well, I get up to Indiana, I pop open my laptop and I can't open the thing I'm working on. And it was, it, you know, it was like pulling teeth to get back into this system, you know, worming through the internet and yeah, <laughs> getting remote desktop in because I had VPN issues too. Uh, I remember when you, you went through that because you, you told me about it. I was probably, I, I probably said some things about people's family members discussing personal habits and their destination in the afterlife over that. Yeah, I was, that was not a happy camper for that one. And, and you really don't, like the world now is we transparently shift between devices. So apps that don't keep up with that, you know, in, in my opinion, are not going to be around forever. Yeah. I use sync thing for this because it's open source. It works on Linux, it works on Mac, it works on Android, you know, and I can kind of control uh, which directories are synchronized and it all lives on the NAS. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been fairly flawless, honestly, at this point. That's cool. Yeah, so like I haven't used sync thing, but when I was, I looked it up after reading your outline. I'm like, I might get that because that I could use that. You need to get a NAS, bro. Oh, I do, but uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to build it myself with my Raspberry Pis. But yeah, I I'm with just the, like with the Synology and all that stuff. It's really, really nice to be able to have the commercial help. That's what I'm thinking and, too. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm torn between 
hey, this would be a fun project. And, you know, I could use those pies for something better. Anyway, speaking of pies, the, uh, the next thing you need is a personal automation suite and API. Sorry, I couldn't help it. Uh, yeah, that was bad. Service. You, you also need tools that can take automated requests and push them into your workflow. Uh, as you improve your processes, you'll often find that certain tools are fairly limited in what they can do. Personal automation tools will help you overcome this gap in a lot of situations. Yeah. So a great example of this is for the podcast, back when we had a newsletter, which I need to get back to doing that. And we had someone sign up just the other day. Yeah, I, I really do need to get back to doing that. When an episode went from ready to record to recorded in the mm-hmm. Kanban board, that would actually trigger a workflow that pushed stuff into my Todoist workflow and also uh, dropped files into my Dropbox that were like stubs mm-hmm. for the, the email template. Yeah, that's nice. You know, that only works when you actually put the the episode cards in. Right. Well... Yeah, that's a whole other. Will Will stopped doing that, and he stopped putting the episode cards in there. Yeah, that's uh, actually I need to put this episode in there. It's some. Point. I know that's that's why I'm picking on you. But but yeah, it is really handy to be able to do stuff like that, and you know, being able to wire that stuff together. Uh, you you don't really necessarily know exactly how it's useful, but it is useful. And if you're a developer, you'll be thinking of a lot of stuff you can do if you already have that in place. Um, and that, that'll help you quite a bit. You know, you can do a lot of this stuff with varying degrees of shell scripts as well. But a lot of times the the no-code or low-code type solutions, especially self-hosted ones, uh, are really good at dealing with relatively unstable situations that you encounter when you try to interact with commercial software. So things like OAuth workflows, you know, to get onto their server and and, you know, what happens when you know, you're not authenticated again because reasons like LinkedIn is the best for this on Zapier. Like I feel mm-hmm. like once a month I have to go and redo that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we had that problem. LinkedIn was, a is still at times a big pain because of the, the authorization with our, um, our WordPress site too. It's basically do the same thing. Yeah. But you don't want to try to handle that for all of your apps with shell scripts, unless you really like doing shell scripts. Like if that, if that gives you joy, go for it. But it, if it doesn't yeah, use something yeah. else, you, you know, use a no code tool. No, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there who really just absolutely loves writing shell scripts. Yeah. I mean, it's enjoyable to a point. I just don't want to have to stop what I'm really trying to do to, to fix one. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's fun when it's like, oh, hey, let me write this quick script to do this cool thing. It's annoying when it's, oh, I have to, you know, go deal with this constantly. So it's like Ruby. <laughs> Ruby on Rails. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. Like the initial thing though was that. It was yeah. like super cool and you could do neat stuff. So this software should be able to do things like manage keys for integrating with other software. Talking about uh, be able to handle both incoming and outgoing webhooks and be able to integrate with lower-level services, such as email and the file system, or at least your file system in Dropbox. Yeah, and for this, I have a combination of IFTTT, Zapier. Those are the two online cloud-based ones uh, that I used. Uh, IFTTT, I, I used initially, and then I switched to Zapier, and some stuff is still hanging out there. And I've also increasingly been using N8N, which is Node automation for internal to the network. So I've got that running on the NAS as well. And so I can send webhooks at that and trigger a workflow there that calls other stuff inside the system or outside. Yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. I've used IFTTT uh, with podcast stuff. And then I switched a lot of things over to Zapier as well. And for automated posting, we were using buffer there for a while. I think the church still uses buffer. I don't handle the social media stuff over there, but like I I see their posts and I'm like, that was automated. Yeah, but sometimes it's just good to be able to get stuff like that out there. Um, and when you when you have complex workflows, you know, because some of these things, you know, you may actually be doing, you know, conditional logic in there. Mm-hmm. So that's like that's super helpful. Okay. Yeah, 
I like the tool chain I have. I'll probably you know switch more to N8N for things that don't have to live on the web. The next thing I would highly recommend anybody get if they want to improve their time management is an actual habit tracker. You're going to be constantly tweaking things on your productivity and time management journey, especially early on. Uh, you'll you'll see things that you get really really big quick wins, and the habit tracker tends to show these. You know, in in general, I think most people kind of get habit formation wrong because they think that if I was this kind of person, I would have this habit. And it's like, no, if you have that kind of habit, it will build you into that kind of person. And so, you, you know, having a tool that helps you sort of track that for yourself is really, really handy, you know, towards that end, especially where you can see streaks and stuff. I mean, I've done stuff like, you know, tracked it in a spreadsheet or, you know, whatever, but it's just nice to have a tool that that's what it does. And it gives you all the, you know, bells and whistles because it's like five bucks a month. I'll give you guys an example of that. I used to think if I were like my sister, a runner, I would run. I would enjoy this. I would want to go out running and stuff like that, but I'm not. So I, I don't have that habit. And then when I really got serious about going to the gym, one, the goal was to build the habit of going to the gym. So I just started very simply walking 30 minutes on the treadmill. But I like that grew because, well, that became really easy. So I started running a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. Like, for example, today I ran three miles. And so I, I tell you guys that not to brag, but to say I'm a runner now because I built the habit of running. I don't have the habit of running because I am innately a runner. Right. It's the same with my sister. It's just she did it when she was in school and, you know, like what? elementary, junior high school. I don't remember when she just really got into it. I did it in my forties, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can track to in these things, you know, other than just your habits, right? Like you can track other small bits of daily data. So like, you know, if, if my language flashcards were not in the app already, I'd probably put those in the habit tracker. Uh, you can track stuff like your diet, you know, how, how well you slept, those kind of things and, and actually kind of build a, a stockpile of information where you can look and try to go, okay, if I do X during the day, do I feel better? Do I feel worse? You know, if I drink, you know, wine the night before, you know, how is class the next morning? Well, yeah, I can tell you that's not as good, but, uh, that's an easy one, but it's really helpful for that. I haven't actually thought of using a habit tracker, like an app for this, because I, I was trained in behavior analysis. Um, when I was in grad school for psych, I was going to go into applied behavior analysis. And so I got used to, like, we track that on paper. And so I, I've actually come up with my own forms for tracking that. I've helped people quit smoking using those and stuff like that. So having an app for that makes perfect sense. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I, I use exist for this because of, you know, all that stuff. The other thing I've found that's really interesting about this and it, it seems weird to me, but it actually kind of makes sense. It just didn't occur to me. You know, you could put habits in there like triage your to-do list, clean up your, your storage and, you know, obsidian where you dumped all these useless documents, like actually, you know, habits that feed back into this whole process, right? That that's also a handy place to keep those. And that's they, and they end up reinforcing each other on, on the note of habits. Um, I, uh, I read something a couple of weeks ago about, um, having time specifically set aside for life admin. Yeah. Like filing bills, stuff like that. Like, administrative functions for your life. Yep. I've got a time block for that. I do too now. Uh, once a week. I, I didn't do it because I, you know, I didn't do it because the article. I just do it because I did it because I hate it. Yeah. And I figured out if I do that, if I have that block right before I do something I enjoy, I'll get done with all the crap very, very quickly and I don't have to think about it anymore. Well, I should do that. I should change the time because yeah. I just, I might, I might adjust when I have mine because that's a good idea. 
But yeah. Yeah. I, I make extensive use of my ability to be cranky. It's very smart. That's very smart. Let's see the me or other, other people using it. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So the final um, thing that we have for you is project planner, a to-do list or a bunch of to-do lists don't really constitute a project. And you may be able to keep track of tasks for a project in a task manager, but for things like figuring out dependencies and mapping out longer timelines, you really need some type of project planning tool. It's helpful, but not essential for the tool to integrate with everything else you have. Yeah, I would almost even say it's it may be better for it not to. And for you to have to mm-hmm. manually move stuff over because there's so much stuff that you go, no, I don't need that. And like, you can just yag me the daylights out of your to-do list before it goes into the, into that bucket. If it's, you mm-hmm. know, on the side like that, you can definitely stretch a to-do list application into something for tracking projects. I kind of sort of do this a little bit more than I should, but as the projects get more complex, when you start having things like dependencies and scheduling, of things. So, Hey, if a isn't done, then I can't start B and C depends on B and C needs to be started by this other time. At what point do I absolutely have to be done with a based on how long B takes? When you start getting into that and trying to do that in a to do list application, it gets ugly really, really fast and it is not responsive. So there, there's that there's also, there also tend to be on project tasks. Those tend to be too big if you're doing a to-do list task, you just kind of want to say, okay, here's the thing I got to do. And I can pop that thing, you know, in an hour or less and check it off the list. Whereas, you know, these other things may be more like bugs or issues or, you know, actual ticket type size things. They're essentially groups of to-do items. And so they're really two different things. It's really better to have a specialized tool for this and probably not Microsoft project because it costs a lot. And it's Microsoft. Yeah, it works. So, I mean, you know, I like if you can use it well, it's it still works. Yeah. Well, whatever you do, project management concerns should not be something in the mix when you're trying to figure out the next task to do right now. You know, a project management tool is only successful if it manages to stay out of the way when it comes to what is the very next thing. Yeah. It's like you're, you're your own manager essentially. And you do not want that version of you sitting here right now, trying to figure out what to do next. Like that needs to be just lined up and you just do it. Uh, Otherwise you'll spend an inordinate amount of time just thrashing. This is why I kind of do my own project management a little bit each week, each day. You know, I I set out, here's what I'm going to do today. And the nice thing too is if I get done early with it, I'm like, all right, well, now I've got some free time because I've accomplished what I planned on accomplishing. Um, so I'll go play music. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, if you're your own manager, you can manage your own rewards and punishments too, right? So <laughs> I don't guess you write yourself up, but, uh, you know, <laughs> probably not much. That's what poetry's for. Yeah. So these tools are also really good for what if type scenarios. So you can say, Hey, if it takes me this long to get this thing done, how does that impact everything else down the line that I plan to do? And and that'll help you a lot too, especially as you start doing more difficult things. Like if you're trying to move and get a new job and do three or four other things, like it's nice to have this stuff mapped out so you can play yeah. with those numbers. And I, use Gantify for this because it integrates with Todoist. Uh, That's Gant with two T's, by the way. Like, as far as I know, no relation. But it's, you know, project management Gantt charts. And it will integrate with Todoist and I can set dependencies in there. And it is aware of those things, but it is not, you know, it's not in Todoist when I'm looking at Todoist to figure out what I got to do next. Right, right. It's, It's more just like overall planning and stuff. Going back to your, your what if thing, there's a, a feature on my bank app where I have my mortgage through that uh, you can do predictive payoff. So it's like, oh, hey, if I add this much to the principal or to the to my monthly payment that goes straight to the principal, like how much faster can I get 
this mortgage paid off. Yeah. Which is a really nice what if, because I can be like, oh, hey, you know, I get a raise. What if I, you know, what if I can throw here? I get, you know, I just bought this truck. What if I get, when I get the truck paid off, I can start throwing some of that money into it, you know, and get the house paid off faster. So, yeah. Yeah. It's super helpful, especially again, as things get complex, which they eventually will because you, you run out of small wins that are easy. So guys, while improving your time management and general planning skills is absolutely critical, it gets severely hampered unless you have some other things in place to help you. These underlying structural pieces will make it easier for you to manage your time and productivity, as well as making it easier to automatically track what you've done. Even better, because you're probably a software developer or a techie or software developer adjacent, or you've got one in your house or something, these tools can really help you scale up what you're doing to the point where larger automations or even outsourcing can help you further. These tools also help you to remain relatively location and context agnostic, which means that you can continue to operate your productivity system no matter where you are. Best of all, if you do this properly, it all connects together well enough that you can use the right tool for the job in the moment while being certain that the data is available in some future moment when you need it. That pretty much wraps us up. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at complete dev pod, like our page on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.